0: Welcome to the Football by Football Podcast. And welcome back to the FBF Podcast. This is our In the Game show, joined this week by Brady Papinga, longtime NFL linebacker, BYU Cougar. We get a cool little opportunity this week, uh, Brady, because... You know, a week ago, it's sort of been, we've been sort of on an every-other-week uh, pattern here with you and Brady Quinn. And you were down in Mexico, got to see—this so is a two-weeks-ago thing— got to see the, the game there and, and, and be a part of the broadcast there. And then now that same team that was involved out there, the Oakland Raiders, have had a little piece of news that, you know, sort of serendipitously, I guess, <laughs> connects you here. I don't know. Maybe I'm stretching that. But Derek Carr has got a pinky injury, right? So, uh, Derek Carr has been all of a sudden thrust into this sort of potential MVP talk. And, you know, the Raiders are one of the the cool stories of the NFL thus far. But you yourself have got a couple dramatically injured uh, pinky fingers, maybe um, probably a little more severe than what Derek's dealing with. But could you share a little insight on that before we sort of dive into the meat here?
1: Of course. You know what I mean? I was was extremely impressed with Derek Carr when I saw him on Monday Night Football, and, and I mean, throughout the season, but especially live, his size was the thing that really, like, stood out. And I played with guys like Favre, you know, that Reggie McKenzie, he gave Derek Carr number four for the reason that Derek Carr reminds him of Favre, right. and it was literally kind of like, whoa, he looks a lot like Favre. I mean, just his mannerisms, his playful nature, and the way he plays is really reminiscent of, uh, of the great Favre. But this last week, when I saw Pop his pinky, I had to relate to that because it's happened to me a couple of times, whether it was a fall, they hit my pinky and busted it, and uh, and then eventually, my, and I was on my right hand, and then my left hand, my pinky got caught into a jersey and just got rolled over and over and over again. And I, so I have basically two pinkies that are just connected purely with skin. There's no tendons connecting them. They're starting to sort of sag off to the side. Uh, if you go on to my Twitter feed, it's been a while, but... Uh, if you just sort of scroll through the media there, you'll see a couple photos of them. And uh, they are uh, very interesting to look at. But the point is, is they're functional in the sense like can make a fist. But yeah. outside of that, they're worthless in the right. sense of actually having any kind of stability to them. And so when I grab a ball or anything like that, the pinky plays no role into it. That's why when Derek came out with that glove on and everybody's wondering, wow, is this going to affect his play? I was sitting there going, this is not going to affect his play. And behold, it did not. Because when you grab that ball and you throw it, you're not involving the pinky very much into that motion. It's more your first three fingers and your thumb that really is most important. Your thumb's probably the most critical. Brett Favre, actually speaking to him, could attest to that a number of years ago. He had a thumb issue that really uh, challenged him. Many people thought it could actually end his career early, even though he ended up recovering from it. But the pinky doesn't have much to do in your throwing motion. That's why when Darren came back in, it was more of how can he handle the pain versus, okay, let's see if he can function throwing the football with this sort of pinky.
0: It's an extremely interesting point, and I teed it to you. Uh, presuming I didn't know both of yours were that bad, I, I recall something about that from from broadcast boot camp that you had kind of a jacked up pinky. But uh, I myself have got a similar problem, but I got the I got the 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 double there. I got both. I got four screws. Oh, excuse me. Two up top and I think one at the bottom. But I got a bunch of screws in my thumb. I, I had a Bennett's fracture, uh, mm-hmm. which is sort of that the, the ball and socket kind of thing of your thumb. So back almost all the way to your wrist. So on a tackle against a, oh man, who was the back for Buffalo back then? I don't remember who it was, but, you know, collisioned him really good. But had my, uh, had McGehee? my, what's that?
1: Was it Willis McGee? Willis McGee by chance?
0: Uh, I think McGee, he was already in Buffalo. No, we were talking about Buffalo. Was he in Buffalo? I think this yeah. is, I think this is earlier than before McGee got to Buffalo. I'm blanking on who it was, though. It might even been like Larry Centers or, I mean, it was like, you know, more like 2002 or three or somewhere in that range. But anyway. Oh,
1: oh, old school, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I bust this thing and, and on contact, it was nice, good pop. And my thumb touched back in my middle of my forearm, (laughs) you know, Mm. like it just popped out, right? So I've got the two screws at the base, and then another one or whatever up at the top. So my thumb's all jacked up, but works, functional, like kind of like you said. But I have a spiral fracture on my pinky, which sounds a lot like what you said, although mine still has ligaments and kind of came back. I did that in college where it was, had it in a jersey, kind of did a one-arm tackle with the guy and pulled him down. But those long, loose college jerseys, it kind of like wrapped around it and it did sort of spiral break. But anyway, um, that thing calcified like crazy. So mine's more of like a little rock-hard ball. Like it's really hard to grasp it. but. (laughs) so i for me and neither of us are quarterbacks but i i sort of empathize with what you're saying i think the one that does less is the pinky clearly and the thumb if it's cold weather for me and you give me a football i've got the jacked up pinky which is more stability not function really there i mean it touches on it depends on how big your hands are kind of thing uh but the thumb oh good lord on a cold day and i grab a ball uh and my thumb is just feeling a little, a little creaky. I can definitely tell you there. So, uh, yeah, I guess the reason I even went here is, A, because I knew you had a story to share that was relevant. But also, hey, Derek Carr is leading an offense that is you know, leading a team, quite frankly, that is in the in the hunt here. I mean, they're they're nipping at the heels of the Patriots for potentially uh, home field playoff advantage here. So, we wanted to sort of use this show as sort of post Thanksgiving and that's kind of I know it's a saying it's not a it's a line in the sand I think that is sort of a I don't know sort of a demarcation that people often gravitate towards but it's not it's not like hard and fast but it's just sort of a general thing because people know it's late right after you get through that long Thanksgiving weekend most teams have played their at least their 11 games it's kind of the home stretch so we're into the home stretch Derek Carr which looks to be leading a big time team Maybe he has an issue, but I think in some of the comments I read this week, he seems to think it's coming on excellently. And as, you, as the point you made, which is a great one, may not be a big factor anyway on that particular hand. But playing along that somehow it is or or not, whatever. How do you see sort of this Raiders team sort of playing out the stretch here? They've got a, got a pretty tough go things as far as the schedule.
1: Yeah, I mean to me, I think they are built at least offensively to travel. They're built to play in colder weather, and they're, ultimately they're built to have offensive success, and I, and I put offensive success, into the playoffs. Right. The big question mark with them is their defense, man. Their defense is just one of those kind of things to where, uh, I mean, I, I watched them again on Houston, Texas, Monday night, and they, just, they have problems in the middle of their defense, which is crazy when you consider they got some big boys in there. they got, you know, uh, it's more on their linebacker side of things. You know, they just don't have a big stumper of a linebacker that complements Their uh, their defensive line, and that makes them a a formidable unit in the middle. And when I look at defenses, at least when you look at a stop the run, that's where you want to build. You want to build inside out, and they just don't have that. And then their secondary is, uh, man, they they've been exploited week in and week out. The Panthers got them last week again. The Texans with the tight end, and that was more on top of the uh, the linebackers than it was the secondary. But that's the question mark for the Raiders. You know, can they clean things up? And we've seen this before. This is a story I've seen. I mean, if you go back when the Indianapolis Colts won the Super Bowl in 06, they're like the worst defense, especially the worst run defense <laughs> right. in the NFL. All of a sudden, the playoffs come, they make some personnel adjustments, and ba-boom, they become the best rush defense through the playoffs. As we all know, they go on and win the Super Bowl. Now, if that happens, all of a sudden, if this defense makes a big jump here in the next few weeks, now you're talking about a legit complete team and a legit threat to
0: the New England Patriots. Yeah, I, I, the way I sort of put these things, and uh, and this is, I guess, a little more from history, right? From using the last several years. Whoops, there's my wife calling to me, not remembering to shut off my phone. Way to go podcast, <laughs> but but anyway, my my uh, my sort of history here with trying to figure out who I think you can survive. Maybe if it were from a, you know, if you wanted to place a chip on a team or something like that, or if you just simply said, "Hey, I've lived through this five, six, seven times now." as trying to do this as an analyst, and you start to gravitate towards the things that you feel might be more safe and to me and I think you referenced this a few weeks ago it's it's they all kind of blend together in my mind but the Raiders size of their offensive line and it's I don't think there is accomplished obviously as the Dallas one but they've got a comparable investment there there's a they're there they've spent there they've had draft capital used there they're pretty darn good there I think, and I think that's kind of to your point that they travel well. I think usually when you can run the ball and don't have to have those Derek Carr games, there was a game a couple uh, the, the week prior to the. Uh, to the Mexico trip where Derek didn't have a huge game. I think it was like a hundred yards pa- in the hundreds yards passing kind of thing. Latavius Murray, Murray had several touchdowns. The offensive line just dominated things. And it was like, oh, okay, they could do it that way as well. So when I look at the Oakland Raiders, I think that, you know what, I, I like the idea that they could be pretty diverse. kind of just depends upon who they end up against. But, as you mentioned, the defense is weaker. So the defense has had signs, but I would just simply say this. They They're very uh, matchup dependent. Like, say they were opposite the Pittsburgh Steelers, a a team that just flings it and flings a lot and is really good at spacing you out. It's just one of those matchups where it's like, man, I I don't care what either of the two teams' records were. In a playoff matchup, uh, that's an even even thing to me because both offenses can score, and then all of a sudden it's like both those defenses have been questionable. So it'd be, it could potentially be a shootout. The teams that I, I think they would have tougher time, that they that they would you know be be able to roll with is those other teams out there that are playoff caliber, you know, at least borderline playoff caliber, but that don't necessarily do it slam bang dunk on all sides of the ball just like themselves. So like the Kansas City Chiefs are one of those where it's like you know what. I think that, and obviously these teams are going to have another shot at each other, and that AFC West is far from resolved, but I think that is the kind of game where, you know what, the Raiders can sort of regress to the mean kind of idea, right? They can come back and play... Average defense to make that below-average offense not look exceptional—that kind of thing. I'm saying this to terrible timing because Kansas City just put up a pretty good number on Denver, but I guess I'm using this to sort of circle our way back to the rest of that division. So, say say Oakland is a team that that may be able to weather this. There's a couple other teams nipping at their heels that'll each have another bite there. Where do you sort of handicap, or how do you how do you sort of come to a conclusion on who you think would come out between that Denver and Kansas City sort of uh, head-to-head?
1: Well, I mean, we all, I thought we saw a little bit of it last uh, – was it Monday night or was it Sunday night? One of those
0: things, yeah, guys. one of the night games. Monday yeah.
1: Night. No, Sunday night, Sunday night, sorry. Monday night was the Packers. But, but yeah, Sunday night, uh, I mean, it was evident. I mean, they're obviously Denver and Kansas City are – so closely matched that the game almost ended up in a tie if it wasn't for Gary Kubiak taking a shot at a 62-yard field goal, and so it really could go either way. And it comes down to the quarterbacks in those situations. To me, those two defenses, Kansas City and Denver, sort of cancel themselves out, and then it right. just comes down to offensive efficiency, which we all know comes down to those two quarterbacks, Alex Smith, Trevor Simeon, both very similar in a lot of you know ways. Uh, both limited, as you could say, but they're safe. They're uh, improvement. I obviously give Alex Smith a little bit more of an advantage there just because of experience and more consistent play over uh, a longer time span. But there are two teams that are neck and neck that it may just come down to you know, who blinks first as a defense or what quarterback can, can find some rhythm, as we saw with uh, uh, in that game. It was almost like both the quarterbacks took their turn and it just ended up happening to where Alex Smith had the ball at the end of the game. He did get some help, by the way, with special teams defense as yeah. they counted for nine of those points. Uh, but at the end of the game, to be able to drive his team down on a defense and knows, hey, you got to pass, and that they're really good at covering. When you got guys like a Keith leave a Ward, and then rushers, and you know, I mean, you got Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware, and Shane Ray, uh, and still be able to go into that teeth of that defense, knowing very well that they're going to have to, you know, throw the ball and still come back. I mean, that was as impressive of a drive as as you could draw up. So. Point is, is, it's going to come down to these quarterbacks for these two teams and which one can and can take it to the next level because both of these teams have excellent defenses. And right now I'd give the edge to the Kansas City Chiefs for the reason why I said of Alex Smith just being a couple of steps ahead of Trevor Simeon based off of experience
0: yeah i i go back and forth on this one because kansas city is like that team that i don't trust but that has one of those weeks like that and you go wow okay i get them now right but i i maybe this is sort of more personal bias it might even it might even span all the way back to last year with studying the crap out of them knowing that they were going to play the patriots in the in the uh whatever that was a divisional round uh and you know trying to figure out are these guys this? And they'd had a, a good, solid month of incredible defense in as well. And the Patriots just annihilated them. And I don't say that, you know, it's just because of the Patriots. I, I think they hit the wrong matchup and they look pretty mediocre. I mean, some, they have some bad losses this season, which made me go, oh, never mind. Forget about Kansas City. And then they have a week like last week where it's like, oh, never mind, can't can't forget about Kansas City. They're still there. I, I think the one thing that you know, obviously from my background and and yours as well, is is the special team stuff was a huge factor for them. Obviously, the kick return yeah. is there. But also the goofy uh, you know, getting too many guys to the side of the ball on the kick on the field goal, which restarted and and created points, uh, you know, just holds holds on punt returns ended up amounting to over fifty yards in field position. Uh, you know, they they just had a lot of goofy stuff in that game and the special teams they were fumbling a punt return. They they just had a bunch of garbage plays where it's like, Okay, if they aren't aided those garbage plays, Maybe they aren't a notch better. But I say all those things, and they're having to do down the road. Now, if it was narrowhead, maybe that's, you know, advantage back to them in it a lot is. of respects. So yeah. At least it makes it interesting. I think it's a compelling division, to say the least. Uh, the one thing that we'll be continuing to keep an eye on is we saw Derek Wolf on the sideline for that game for a lot. He was still pretty uncomfortable with that elbow thing he's got he's wearing sort of the Gronk uh, you know J.J. J. Watt thing he's had some issues with that he'd go in he'd come back out he'd go in he'd come back out and Kansas City had some luck it wasn't like a big wear night at running back it was this new dude Tyreek Hill who's you know gets the big kick return but he's also sort of this new switchblade knife kind of thing in their offense. And fortunately for Kansas City, they get Jeremy Macklin practicing this week. I don't know if he'll be back full strength yet, but they'd always been sort of a, you know, run it. Maybe uh, Jamal Charles is no longer, you know, on the roster because he's on IR. Is you know able to contribute? So how are they going to get movement? You know, it's just going to be plotting, and maybe they'll they'll work it out with a Kelsey touchdown or something like that. But all of a sudden, this Hill guy is pretty damn explosive, pretty exciting player, and where you know he can be a compliment in the backfield. And oh wait, maybe now they have two receiving threats with Macklin returning, and they've got the tight end, and Alex can pull it down. So I uh, there's enough factors there to where I say that I I can't really make a call today, but I think it makes it fun and exciting. Uh, So one thing I wanted to hit you back with here is. The idea that, to me, this is unusual, and maybe I'm absolutely thousand percent, uh, you know, historically inaccurate. I don't know that, but it's just more of a sense when I look at at the, at the remaining standings, and we've, like I said, cleared Thanksgiving here, and this is usually when you air quotes kind of know what teams are. Uh, the Jets, Bengals, Browns, and Jaguars. That's my count. Uh, yours might be slightly different, but Jets, Bengals, Browns, and Jaguars, that's the only four teams that I can see on the AFC side that are like pretty legitimately out of this. And to me, it's rare to have 12. I, I don't know if that's, you know, p- people kind of ha-ha about parity in these days because it does tend to be a lot of those top teams that invariably win it, but I, I find this a kind of a compelling and a fun fun way to do it where we're entering December and there's a lot of teams still involved.
1: Oh, yeah. As you say, yeah, I mean, on the NFC side, it seems almost like every team except the 49ers really is uh, in the hunt uh, because, like you were talking about the parity, not close to everything is. I mean, outside of the 49ers and the Bears, you know, both with one and two wins respectively, everybody else in the NFC has at the very least four wins. And uh, if you look at the NFC East, that's pretty much a two-horse race with uh, Washington Redskins, you know, sort of telling behind a, a couple games. Are, it looks like about a game and a half of the New York Giants. And then the NFC North up for grabs between three teams. The NFC South up for grabs with three teams, fact that the Buccaneers Saints. And then the uh, West, I mean, that's... The, the NFC West is a shocker. I mean, you go into the last yeah. couple of years, that's probably been the strongest division. And not out of record, but just in terms of parity and, and the kind of teams that are popping out of there. And lo and behold, you got the Seahawks with a three-game demanding lead over the Cardinals. And to me... I mean, the Cardinals aren't going to have a chance there, uh, Matt, until Bruce Arians humbles himself. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's humbling. I don't know if it's just opening up and, and acknowledging the real strengths of his teams. But if you continuously are stubborn against the fact that David Johnson's your best player, he is. I know you got Larry Fitzgerald, future Hall of Famer. Marcy Palmer's a good player. But if David Johnson's your best guy, and I know he doesn't have a lot of confidence in that offensive line. But if he's your best guy and your defense is as good as they are, which they are, why aren't you giving him at least 25 carries a game in addition to all the stuff that he can do in the passing? game? That just blows my mind. Their run-to-pass ratio is so skewed towards the pass. It is literally three-to-one pass-to-run in that offense, which blows my mind. And I covered the game when they played the 49ers, and they opened the door right for the 49ers to get into it and almost uh, come out with at least a tie to put it into overtime. Carson Palmer's throwing the ball, they're up ten points, it gets a pick, it gets returned down to their territory, momentum shifts. It's like, man, that's the time at, at least when you you know, old school Pittsburgh Steelers where you run the ball to win the game. So, uh, you know, when you look at these the these uh divisions, you know, I mean they're still highly contested, there's still a lot there. Like I said, with the West, it looks like Seattle's just gonna run away with it with the Rams sort of, you know, dysfunctional and with all their issues, the 49 and then the Cardinals, like I said, until they finally figure out, hey, how can we play to our strength, which is our defense, and then David Johnson offensively, I just don't see them making a move
0: yeah it's it's an interesting case there because if you take yourself back 12 months and we were we were in that conversation with that the west out there in the NFC looking so strong you know the Arizona was this new resurgent team uh you know and a crazy good defense uh you know it energetic, new-style coach in, in Bruce Arians, even though he's an older guy, getting his big shot. He's kind of a, the nouveau thing. Uh, and Carson Palmer's found his, you know found a you know sort of rebirth of his career kind of deal. Michael Floyd is this up-and-coming wide receiver. He seems like a stud. John Brown is this new thing. David Johnson, as you mentioned at least a year ago, is the rookie. who looks like, oh, my gosh, who's this guy? He's something special. I mean, that was an exciting team. And they just got their butt whipped by Carolina in the playoffs and they haven't really seen the same sense I don't I'm not trying to you know sell some hot take here that you know psychologically they were beaten up that year and now never everything's downhill it's not so much that i do think though that they've they had a difficulty handling some success because when you look at them this year they are banged up they have some legitimate excuses michael Floyd has been up and down from being active hamstrings he had multiple issues he hasn't been a part of the offensive way he has in years in the, the, at least a year ago John Brown has been having symptoms from the that sickle cell thing where like a week ago he preps, he gets the game, he's not even a part of it. He just starts having in-game symptoms, cramping up, having other crazy issues. They're trying to get to the bottom of that. So they take out two legitimate weapons. and So, you know, you might take a step back. But defensively, if you look at all the defensive rankings, however much stock you put in those, they still have, they're still at the top of a lot of the metrics. They're still playing pretty good defense, and Carson Palmer is not having the year he had before. Maybe it's just because of not having the weapons. Maybe because, as you said, that's just too dramatically skewed to run pass ratio. But for whatever reason, they they just have have seemed to be a little excuse ridden, and that that's probably the only thing I would say. I would. You don't like to see, you know, because Bruce Arians, in an interview this week, I saw him come out and, in defense of his team, which coaches should do, but talk a little bit about, uh, the fact that they'd have a different record if they just made two field goals. I don't like it when coaches say that because the game's complex. There's a lot of other stuff that could have happened. So one sort of, uh, <laughs> y- you know, I, I just, I get his <laughs> so, point, but it just. we just two field goals. Yeah, we've we're got two wins. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's Exactly. I hate that stuff. So as just one sort of thought from your mind, and I know you're. A fan of it, you know, one of your former teams, and I also am uh, as well of the Cowboys, just because I like the way they built the thing. Is there a team on that side that could, in a one-game issue, because that's all it is in the playoffs? They survive, they get themselves in playoff positioning. What's the team on that NFC side of the draw that across the across uh, from the Cowboys would give them those problems?
1: Well, to me, uh, my, you know, if you'd have asked me from week one until now who the best team is. I would have said every single week the Seattle Seahawks. And everybody always is like, oh, I, I, how do you say that? They'll have games like this last week where they're just disastrous and they get it sort of shoved back in their face. But the way I always equate who I think the best team is, is I, who I think the most complete team is, because if you look at history, generally speaking, the most complete team goes on to win the championship. Because when you have a complete team, when one element of your team is struggling, like if the offense is struggling, the defense can pick it up. If the defense is struggling, the offense can pick it up. If both of them are struggling, maybe you get some kind of play out of your your special teams. And that's the one team on the NFC side of the bracket I look at. It's like, man, they got it all. You know, When they're all playing pretty decently, they're the best team. And so, I mean, although the, the Cowboys have the best record, uh, I look at the Seahawks as being the best, most complete team of the team that I would put my money on to win the Super Bowl, uh, or at least, or excuse me, to win the NFC. I, I haven't thought about the Super Bowl thing yet, so got to requit all that. But at least to win the uh, NFC, because the Dallas, their huge Achilles tendon is their defense. And if you've looked at throughout this whole year, their defense has not put in a, been put in a situation to where maybe the offense is struggling a little bit, and then they got to go out and win it. And I don't think they have the psychological element. I don't think they have the experience this year yet to know what to do in that. because it's crazy when all of a sudden you've been a heavy offensive team to where that's the been driving the bus, and then all of a sudden you get into a game, uh-oh, Ezekiel's not running as well as he is. We're not able to sustain as many drives. Oh, no, we got an interception here or a bad field position deal here with special teams. How do we go and respond? They haven't been in that situation and it's going to happen. And as we get later and later into the season, it only makes it to where that those kinds of situations happening it uh, makes the probability of them happening in these critical games most likely in the playoffs. Which that's not when you want it to happen at first, because you want your team to have some kind of experience of knowing how to deal with that, at least your defense. And so that's why right now I just I'm still I don't believe in the Cowboys, and it's because of that defense. I don't think they've been put in a position where they've had to carry the team because the uh the offense has done such a stellar job of pretty much controlling the game and placing them in an ideal situations to defend and so i don't know if if, if it a situation in the playoffs critical game all of a sudden the offense struggles a little bit if that defense can hold up whereas seattle they're proven man these guys have been to a couple super bowls won a super bowl they're the one their super bowl differently than now they're built they want it with defense and running the running game and russell wilson at that time was more of a complimentary guy now he's playing out of the pocket a lot more proficiently, at least, at least you know a couple of weeks ago, not last week.
0: It was, right, he was last struggling
1: because he couldn't, he couldn't even breathe. I mean, they were just suffocating that defensive line of the Buccaneers had, I mean, it was a pure domination across the board, <laughs> Buccaneer defensive line against that uh, Seattle Seahawks offensive line. But overall, I mean, they have the experience. They have the complete team. That's why I would give the Seattle Seahawks the edge right now in the NFC.
0: Gotcha. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I guess my point of view on stuff like this is probably more from uh, bad past experiences, I guess, as as covering this Patriots team and too often sort of thinking about their experience and sort of presuming that would be enough to carry them through. Uh, I've been burned on that a few times just where A lot of those pieces were still there uh, from years past where, you know, maybe they'd won a Super Bowl and all those guys are still there. They're not playing as well this year, but I'm assuming it'll sort of all come back in the moment kind of deal. I'm not sure that's exactly what you're saying, but I, I just think when I look at Seattle, I see some similarities, some of those years I recall as down years for the Patriots, where they're too inconsistent relative to who I see on the roster when I see all the names, right? I mean, and they have obviously a very impressive win going out to Foxborough and beating the Patriots. So at that point, I think a lot of the country goes, oh, old Seahawks back again. But the thing that, you know, just kind of, I don't know, sort of uh, gives me pause. Obviously, you've referenced it several times, Brady, that that uh, the performance last week against the Bucks just ugly i mean they they scored five points <laughs> it's hard to and they're not doing it against uh you know the the 85 bears i mean the bucks did play good on that day the bucks at points have played decent defense but at points this year they've been terrible too so I, it's hard to figure out what to make of a team like that especially when a super bowl run requires multiple really good performances so i don't know i just am not as sold on seattle because of the inconsistency i know they're seven three and one i think that's seven i think it should be seven and four i'm not not a fan of the tie uh and that how that game shook out but regardless they still have some impressive wins they still have some impressive personnel uh, I'm assuming they'll be much healthier when it's all said and done. So yeah, and you know, you, you match them up across any of those teams in the NFC in a one-game situation. I think I'm with you that they might. I might even be inclined to presume that they could beat the Cowboys, or that they might even be a favorite. I don't know how I want to go into that, but I think the greater issue for the for them, from from my point of view, is the ability to do three in a row, based upon what I've seen from them this year. I mean, they did have that that Bucks loss, but they also went on the road and lost to a Saints team who, at the time, was playing like garbage, both before and after. That. I mean, just it's the kind of win that championship or loss the championship teams don't take. I think again, sort of the flip side of the coin, it's it's the other side of the lens that I'm always seeing out here because it's kind of this side of the country's Super Bowl contender frequently anyway. Uh, the Patriots, when they have their stinkers, it tends to be against still good teams. So it makes you less panicky, I guess. And maybe you can be wrong and I can be wrong on there as well. But at least when you know the Patriots laid an egg it wasn't to the Niners, you know? And that that is almost what it feels like. When I know Tampa's been playing better, so I shouldn't call them the Niners. But I just I would put that in sort of the let's see where that goes here in these next five weeks. It's it's an important five weeks for Seattle because I think they need to grow into their consistent self, uh, team that, that generally does peak at this time of the year. So for fans out there listening to the podcast, you may have, uh, I'm, I'm still here on the line, but Brady Pepenga had to drop off. So I'm going to carry on with the end of the show here. And one of the other topics I wanted to get into, and it's actually going to reference some of the, the great work that Brady Pepenga has done for the website, is I am of the firm belief now that we've passed this sort of, uh, you know, the, the post-Thanksgiving time that if you want to really dig in deep and sort of lay a chip, and I'm not saying actual gamble, but to each his own if you're into that. But here's the thing: uh, if you want to rest your hopes on a team, or you want to take a collection of teams, don't look at the records now necessarily. Don't look at you know uh, any of the other factors like offensive rank, which is a bunch of yards and crap, or or even defensive rank, any of that stuff, which is yards as well. I think what you look at at this time of year is the teams that have accumulated enough enough wins to be in a position to get it done, but that have run games in defense, run games in defense, run games in defense. I I don't know how many times I've been burned thinking the other direction. Of course there can be those outliers where they don't defend critically, situationally, red zone, stuff like that, and they don't run the football. It can happen. It can. It has in the past, but I think those are the outliers. I think now it's have you won enough in the three quarters of a season that leads to this point, and now that you've arrived, do you have a defense? Uh, And not the best defense. Do you have a defense that wins in the red zone? Do you have a defense that minimizes points, not yards. Don't care about yards. They don't matter. If they painted the basketball uh, court with a bunch of white lines, it would not change the goal of the game. The goal of the game is to score in the hoop at each end. Football is the same way. Yes, if you you know get yards, you're having possession time. Yes, if you slow down a basketball game, you'll control the ball more. But you still only get points for scoring. And that's just how the game works. So I'm talking about the kinds of defenses that stop people from scoring huge amounts of points, can defend in the red zone, can defend uh, on the scoreboard. And those are the ones that matter. And then on the other side of the ball, can control possessions. I'm not talking about running games that necessarily – have to go out and, and post 150 or 200 yards a game. I'm talking about a team that in, in situational football in third and two, they can run it. They don't have to get into shotgun in third and two. They're a team that can win situationally themselves like a defense has to with the running game. And I think that's really the most important point. If you can go down the list of standings as they now are in the NFL, if you can go throughout that list and sort of take stock of who you think's there, find ones that don't have that. And I'm I'm telling you it's a high risk bet that they'll that they'll pull the thing off when it's all said and done. Uh, and I don't know, if, if you look down that list, I think that's in part why, and, and Brady and I talked about it earlier, I'm not completely all in on the Raiders. And, and people out there that are listening to me, and I know my background, uh, I was a diehard Raiders fan as a kid. Howie Long was one of my, my favorite players. Todd Christensen of the tight end. Vince Evans, like, I was a Raiders kid growing up in Iowa. I mean, when you grow up in Iowa, you don't really have a team. There's, you know, three pro franchises. You know, Chicago's kind of close. Minnesota's close. Chiefs are close. Denver's a little farther. But you kind of sit in the middle of a lot, so you really don't have a team. I was a Raiders kid, so my biases would say, "Hey, I'm on the Raiders. Raider, you know, black, black rain, and all that stuff." But I'm, I'm not, so I'm still sort of leery of them from just a, a an analysis standpoint. That that there's there's enough chinks in the armor there, and that a lot of their their wins have been gutsy, which is a great quality. Have but they've been gutsy against opponents who probably aren't going to be in the playoffs. So I don't know what to make of that, right? Uh, and and I say that knowing that there could be a contradiction there in my own past. I mean, we had that kind of history in 01 when we won the Super Bowl and, and people would point to, ah, you know, they hadn't really beat anybody and, ah, you know, they always just win these close games, and there is there is absolutely absolutely an important quality to being able to to win the tough ones. Uh, fortunately, that team was was a little different, and that we were an entirely different team mid <laughs> mid season than what we were at the end. So that was again one of your great outliers, one of the cooler Super Bowls in Super Bowl history, and obviously I'm biased on that as well, but. If you're going to look through the standings, and we can do this here right sort of at the end to kind of give my big takeaway, and, and we won't get Brady's because he's off the line now, but it, it's something we'll continue to cover here in various aspects through video, through our podcast, and, and, to, to, and to fact check ourselves to see how this thing plays out and if we were right in sort of our, our ideas here. But I look at the Cowboys, and I think that's what makes them, uh, to me, a little more weather weary for this, for this road that's ahead. Because they they've done those things, I'm a little more. I'm a, I think I'm a little higher on the Dallas defense than than Brady was. Uh, I think they've faced some really good offenses and they've won those tests, and I think that's so important. Uh, I mean, they they have not, as Brady Brady mentioned, and it's a good point. They not have had they have not had the day where. Ezekiel was stopped had, there's no running game there or you know uh, Dak goes out and throws two picks how's the defense going to respond so that hasn't happened yet and, and it, it's a fair point uh, the only thing I would say is th- the only thing the defense can control is the possessions they get and who they go against and in the in those instances that Brady mentioned that would add possessions which would make life harder and they haven't overcome that particular test yet but what they have overcome is play some damn good offenses and have victories and they've they won against the Steelers they won against the Packers yes at a time though where the Packers weren't all there offensively uh, but it's still Aaron Rodgers I mean they they won. they beat that team they beat the Steelers they beat this Redskins team on Thanksgiving at a time where the Redskins have you know really been slinging it the Redskins were on top of the world offensively and the Cowboys were able to pull it back and I just I just look at them and I think that's actually a team who's been tested in my view a little different than Seattle who's been up and down and up and down it's not about running the table it's about being tested in certain regards into overcoming some some hurdles that make you think they could pull it off but Again, I'm not going to make y'all listen to me ramble through the entire uh, standings of the NFL, but the Cowboys are one that I put in that regard. Uh, Seattle, I don't, because they've struggled running the football this year, and they've been inconsistent defensively, but it is still the strongest unit of the group. Uh, and that's, in part, again, why I think the Patriots have a, a better chance this year than they did last year, going into the going into the playoffs to actually to finish up as a champion, because the defense is a situational defense, which I know people hate because they play fantasy football and they don't like to see passes completed but they're they're still a top team relative to points they're still keeping team to modest totals it's rare when teams are scoring over 20 on uh you know the one the one egg they laid against seattle and and there was a bunch of mistakes in there that aren't usually the kind of thing you see week in week out but they are different now than a year ago because they can run the football there has not been a week where it's like wow that's just not there for them this run defense is so far superior just can't run it tom getting back and the, tom get back in the and the shotgun for 55 snaps that that hasn't been the case and i think that's what's really new and unique about them so provided the defense slowly continues to improve i think they have that pairing that 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 works really well when it matters most. Uh, I look at one other team here. We'll, we'll do it this here, Just big picture. I think the division of the NC North has no chance based upon that metric. <laughs> if that, if you're to believe that that holds as much weight as I'm, I'm trying to sell to you that it does. Uh, the Lions, the Lions haven't been able to run the football this year. Matthew Stafford's been bailing them out with some incredible fourth-quarter stuff. They've got a lot of different production from a lot of different receivers. One week it's Ebron, one week one week it's uh, yeah, Mark Jones, excuse me, uh, but he hasn't been a big part of it lately. Tate's had some big weeks. It's just sort of up and down where it's going to come from. They've been super gutsy, but there hasn't really been a consistent running game there, and the defense isn't a big part of it. So really looking throughout that division, struggles with the Packers' defense. And they don't really run the football that much anymore. Eddie Lacy's gone. James Stark's given it gives intermittent uh production but it's not really their mo and and i think that means you can steal a game like they did a year ago in the playoffs uh, but I, it, it's really tough to buy that that's sustainable uh, you know i could be wrong on that as well but the vikings same situation you know they're all all three of these teams are fighting for that division lead but i think at the end of the day one of the three will come out and none of those three will be a player just just my my thought here based upon sort of this idea of really needing to be able to do those two things. And we'll keep an eye on this and we'll, we'll check ourselves throughout the year to see if I'm completely full shit on it or not. And we'll see, right? Broncos. That's, but this is why I keep the Broncos in the conversation. This is why I'm not yet ready to go Raiders. I'm not really that sold on the chiefs. Uh, I think the Broncos remain a part of this story because, you know, in last week's example, those were three major, four if you count one of the other holds, uh, special teams breakdowns. And that's why they're not in it. Not because of offensive efficiency. Defensively, yes, they gave back leads three times. But it's a hard-fought thing. In the absence of those, those huge possession breakers with the special team stuff, I think Denver still wins that game. And they're not in the goofy situation where Kubiak has to make a call on a, on a 200-yard field goal. Hyperbole, uh, But anyway, uh, I just think in that division, I'm still going to put my chips back with the Broncos, and it doesn't have to do with the been there, done that thing. It's more just because of what they got and how I think it weathers things. The biggest issue there for them, though, is – booker is is he going to be able to be a consistent run for us do they have it they just lost their fullback it looks like an ankle injury for the rest of the season so the kinds of runs they do might be a little different although this is this is still that zone running team and boots and things like that so the the fullback is not a monstrous part of it it's more of an issue of their offensive line being really inconsistent there's a lot of angry people out there if you read uh you know any of the fan stuff from broncos or you know they're hitting them up on twitter and stuff and seeing they're pretty pissed off about their team for that reason and i and i get that and it's honestly it's the concern in Seattle as well. Offensive line concerns, their offensive line concerns in, in Denver, and those are very real things. But I think they at least defend well and they have the ability to run it at least in commitment. Uh, and Booker's been a pretty solid dude. So um, there's a chance there. But I'm I'm stepping all over myself here in that I've built this idea up and there's one team that sits out there that I don't want anyone who listens to this show to sleep on. Uh, And it's not for running the table. It's more for being an adjutant to all those other teams. And that is the Baltimore Ravens. Just because of these couple things we've mentioned – uh, Terrence West, from time to time, can have productive weeks. Flacco does have the experience. I am not. You know, I know earlier I said experience isn't just enough, but because they're not a huge turnover-type situation with that offense, and he's got some sort of old dogs like Steve Smith, like Dennis Pitta, guys where he likes to send the ball, they're relatively safe places, they play pretty smart football, they've got a kicker who's on a, an extreme hot streak right now, and they've been defending at sort of top of league levels right now they're one of those sort of top three to five defenses in the whole league so they're plucky so i just don't want people to overlook them because they actually do hit on those two ideas in the afc south and i'll sort of finish off with this i don't consider any of those people real contenders any of those teams real contenders for that reason the texans just too inconsistent uh just too inconsistent Uh, it's just hard to buy in on that idea the colts just don't defend well enough they just don't and uh, you know andrew luck has the concussion stuff now you know they may be digging holes at a time or we don't know if he's playing yet but uh i just i just can't buy in on them and the titans man they're, they're close and then they have dog defensive performances and it's just against teams they shouldn't have and that makes you go you know what can't buy in it maybe a future team but I think using the metric I just talked about here and and hopefully you guys sort of followed what I was talking about but the idea that if you can defend at this time of year situationally if you can run the ball situationally if you can't run the ball situationally if you if you defend far less well situationally I think regardless of your record getting to that point you're going to struggle so let's all keep an eye on that together one final thing here I wanted to rest upon, because I know we do have a lot of Patriot fans out there that listen to the show, uh, and one of the things that you know is happens it 's natural I know you 're doing it. I see you on Twitter being a lot less active than than past weeks. I see you on facebook there 's just not the interaction isn 't as high this week on the Patriots game. why because they 're playing an air quotes bad team they 're playing. Uh, the L.A. Rams, and the L.A. Rams do not have a good record. They have not been good recently. Uh, yeah, they got this first overall pick, but you know, the Patriot fans, you guys are you're not impressed by that, because first overall picks play, they go to bad places, right? So this is a bad team. Jeff Fisher's a terrible coach. I'm, I'm saying that because I know that that's sort of the the, the popular perception that said I think the the interest in this game is lower than usual for a Patriots game and the one thing I would say about that is I, I don't think the team takes it that way and that's kind of what we get to be helpful here for and say hey you know how to do, how the do players how the players approach weeks like this where you, know, you play at a rookie quarterback I mean do you need to get up for that or not do you just you know you screw around a little more in the week you don't take it quite as seriously not really I I think a lot of these things boil down to individual matchups so you don't care about how the rams happen to suck uh because well you look at it this way you're an offense and other than last week against the saints in uh, four weeks prior that defense held all teams uh, uh, to uh, to about 50 points 50 points 50 ish points 52 53 somewhere in that range over the course of four weeks so if you're an offensive player you might say yeah maybe jeff fisher isn't the greatest coach yeah uh, you know they're starting a you know rookie quarterback, whatever. All you're thinking about is like, oh, dude, I got to block, uh, I got to block Aaron Donald this week. You know, I got to get open against uh, Ogletree or whoever it is. You know, you got they've got a lot of talent over there. They got a lot of good players and Quinn and Brockers and all those guys. That it really helps sort of sharpen your focus. So I would say this is definitely one of those weeks where uh, Patriots. Might even be better than normal because uh, they tend to focus in these weeks because the, ch- the coach will not let you let up on these kind of opponents. He's done this so many times. So uh, your interest may be lower, and I, I completely understand that's a that's a totally natural reaction. But I, I don't think that particular teams is. And, and if for some reason it is, and for some reason there is a play down to them, I think that's a that's a reasonable. Uh, idea for concern uh, with this team because you want to see them start to bury the bad teams now i said all of this to say hey they're not that good but the defense is great the offense is curious let's put it that way i think that the rams offense is something that deserves respect because Goff can sling it and because Goff does some veteran things even though it's only been two weeks but a lot of rookie mistakes. I'm not going to talk your ear off with this stuff. You can go watch my video on my uh, Jared Goff breakdown this week, and that sort of details a lot of the things that he does specifically, which I think are a little more understandable visually than on a podcast. But all I would say with that is he gets the ball to the the catch and run elements pretty good, and that's really what they're all about. Tavon Tavon Austin, uh, the the tight end Hendricks, Kendricks, whatever his name is, has been sort of a a safety outlet for him. Gurley gets more involved now as a pass catcher because of the checkdowns and because of the swing passes and some of the other ways to get the ball in his hands, that offensive line is still struggling. So there's still going to be issues there. But that said, I still think from just a a pure hey, do you love football? Hey, do you love your team? Patriots-Rams is actually going to be a pretty interesting game this week, and you still will be able to learn a lot about your teams, how they handle that oddball challenge. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, as always, folks, thank you so much for continuing to check out the podcast, to check out the website itself, footballbyfootball.com, for checking out the YouTube page, the Facebook page, all those different platforms that you can subscribe to or like or follow or all those kinds of things. But... We love the interaction. We love sort of putting out this kind of material for you guys. And really, this is sort of our wheelhouse this time of year. As we said, you've cleared Thanksgiving. We can start to really drill in on what teams are because we have better information. So I think this is where the sort of football-by-football concept can really be most helpful uh, when there's a bit more of a fog. There's a lot of information, and you need some experienced people to sort of help sort it a little bit. So we really enjoy doing it, and we we love that you guys continue to engage with our stuff. Uh, The views on the videos are continuing to climb uh the the desire for more of them is is high and i know you guys keep tweeting at me to do more of them we're pumping out as much as we can his myself brady think i'm brady quinn all three of us uh, and then rocky boyman as well who you haven't heard much of from during this season all all three of us were full-time jobs uh in other media capacities for the football season so we try to make sure that we each get out some stuff to you each week but uh this is really when it gets real, and we love that, so uh, keep checking that out, and we, we thank you very so very much uh, for your patronage, and that was actually uh, something we didn't get a chance to mention last week at the Thanksgiving show. Uh, we're just very thankful that uh, we've had an opportunity to do this. It's fun. It was sort of our dream, and uh, regardless of what comes from it, we just enjoy doing it, And we love that you guys enjoy that kind of stuff. So, once again, have a wonderful weekend. A lot of fun games out there. Take care, folks. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football Insight by football players.
1: Night, Lucky. Night, Dusty.
0: Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.
1: Good night, Ned. Ned.